Welcome to the Syracuse Vineyard Podcast. Thanks for taking some time to listen in with us. If you like what you're hearing and would like to know more about the church, you can go to our website at vineyardny.org or follow us on social media at vineyardny on YouTube, vineyardny Syracuse on Instagram, and vineyardny-syracuse on Facebook. And now we're going to listen in on this week's message. Welcome to you at the Westcott site and the Auburn site. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Um, thank you for being here at State Fair site. My best friend growing up uh, lived right next door. His name was Matt, and, and um, he was connected socially, and I was not connected socially. He went to public school, and I was homeschooled. Do you know what that means? You stay at home, right? And my friend Matt, he went to public school, so he knew all the kids on the block. And we were best friends, me and Matt, and we would do everything together. But one day he was like, Chris, get on your bike. We're going to go somewhere else. And we got on our bikes and we rode around the block. We rode east, one block, okay, one block east. And we went around the, the, the turn and we went around these islands on the street and we went around the island and we skidded into this driveway. We were like fierce six and seven year olds skidding into the driveway. And um, uh, he introduced me. He connected me into the social pipeline. I was, I was in with Carl and Jamie and Joey. Now, Carl and Jamie Joey, we did everything together from that day on. For the next six years, we were playing in the backyards. We were playing manhunt. We were uh, uh, throwing uh, uh, beer bottles up in the park and smashing them. We were, there was all sorts of things that, that we did together. It was so life-giving. Friends can make or break our experience, right? especially at school. We're in this series called Back to School where we've been, we've been looking at this idea that it's fall, football starts, we're going back to school, but we're also, it's this time of kind of a restart. Let's go back to school with Jesus. Jesus was a teacher. He was known by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law as another teacher. And he ran a school that was different than the other kinds of schools that were up and running in that time. Now, Jesus, we, we're going back to school with Jesus. And I want to look at this issue of friends, getting your crew at school, right? If you don't have your crew at school, you are going to be messed up, right? If you don't have friends at school, it's going to be really, really bad, right? It's really uh, uh, defeating. Have you ever seen the movie Mean Girls? Anybody ever seen the movie Mean Girls? Well, there's all sorts of different cliques, right, that are in this school. And this young woman, from uh, uh, she's um, uh, homeschooled in Africa. She shows up to this uh, American public high school, and she is shoved into this chaotic environment with all sorts of clicks. Let me name a couple of the clicks. Maybe this will give you some trauma, uh, uh, re-traumatize you from your school experience. Uh, there were the anti-plastics. There were the plastics. There were the art freaks. There's the burnouts, the cheerleaders, uh, the desperate wannabes, the JV cheerleaders, the JV jocks, the junior plastics, the preps, the ROTC guys. The varsity jocks. Does this make you a little bit scared, right, to go back to high school? 
You couldn't pay me to go back to middle school. You couldn't pay me. I would never go in my life because you walk into this kind of environment. And if you don't have friends, you're messed up. If you don't have your crew, it's not going to work out for you. Think back for a second to your school experience. Maybe, maybe it was a while back. Maybe it's happening right now. Where do you fit in? Did you fit in? Do you fit in now? In this series called Back to School, we're looking at the school of Jesus. Jesus, uh, we've talked about the last several weeks that Jesus ran school differently. He would have run, if, if he was running school today, he would have run an alternative school. He didn't run school like the, the other teachers of his day. Look at what he says to his disciples. This has been our memory verse for the last several weeks. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Who do I want in my school? I want the burnouts. I want the weary people. I want the people who don't fit in anywhere, who are sick and tired of being sick and tired, sick and tired of fitting into this clique or that clique or, or, or that friend group. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Let me teach you. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The most interesting thing I, I find in this idea of school when it comes to Jesus is that Jesus, uh, he is the son of God, right? He st states that he's the son of God. He's God himself. And yet he develops friendships. He comes to this earth as a human being and he develops relationships with other people now if i were god put yourself in god's god's shoes for a second and you show up here would you be friends with people you didn't you don't need friends right uh you just you know you you're getting hungry you send a couple angels to the to the 7-eleven right or, 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 or to the, to the uh, Chipotle. Uh, your, your laundry is dirty, and so you send a couple angels to do your laundry. Why would the Son of God bother with relationships with human beings? Human beings are crazy. Doesn't he know this? He knows this. And yet the Son of God, Jesus himself, makes friends. He comes into an environment where he shares life with other human beings and he relates with them. And I think as we, we start this, uh, the last part of the series, I wanna look at Jesus. How did he find his crew? Why did he uh, do the things that he did with his friends? Because I think Jesus, he says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. He says that he's living life to the full. I can give it to you. So if you want meaningful relationships, we ought to look to the person of Jesus, right? St. Paul, he says it this way in Philippians 2. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In your, in your friendships, in your relationships with your friends, in your family, 
relate the way that Jesus would relate. So how did Jesus find friends? And, and, and how did he maintain friends? And what was friendship like in, the, in Jesus? I, I looked through Jesus's life, a little, like, little scan of his life this week, and, I, and I, I thought of some of the things that you could kind of point to, these kind of trends that you could point to around, around friends. I think that these would be the pro tips that Jesus would give us. You know how everybody has the relationship advice? I think Jesus would give us these pro tips. Number one, the first thing that we see in the life and ministry of Jesus is we ought to pray for friends. The first thing that we see Jesus do, instead of trying to figure out things on his own and try to, instead of going online, right? And it, all right, it wasn't around, but go, you guys understand, like going online and flicking through and seeing who can, he can be friends with on the dating app right? Or, or who can he be friends with at the bar? Or who can he be friends with at the country club or, 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 or at the yoga studio? Who, who can he be friends with? Instead of going to those places, Jesus goes to the place of prayer. He starts praying. The first thing he does is pray. The, before he starts his ministry, right after he's baptized by John in the Jordan River, he gets ushered by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's tested by the devil, right? He's 40 days of testing. And, and it wasn't just that he was tested for 40 days. There's a lot that can happen in 40 days. Jesus is praying. And, and as soon as he gets out of the wilderness, he starts, he starts uh, uh, talking to and, and calling disciples. On the night before he calls his 12 disciples, Luke says, look at what it says in Luke chapter 6. One of those days, Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Have you ever seen this? Jesus prays before he he invites friends into his life. These people will be the closest of the people he has in his life for the next three years. These people will be the most important people in his life for the next three years. He is choosing really carefully right now, and he prays. He spends a whole night in prayer. We ought to pray for our friends. We ought to pray that God would give us friends. Do you take it seriously that God cares who you're friends with? That God deeply cares who you relate with? God, in, in the depth of his being, he cares that you are in community and he cares who you're in community with. God cared who Jesus would be with. That's why Jesus spends a night praying before he chooses them. Do you take it seriously that God has a life-giving friend group for you? In 2016, we, from 2016 to 2021, we lived in a house on a hill, um, uh, uh, on a street, this wonderful, wonderful street. And we had the, uh, some of the greatest neighbors. These guys... They shared life. It was wonderful. But there was one thing that almost nobody on the street had, and that was a relationship with Jesus, right? 
And so we would, Angie and I would talk about Jesus. I mean, we're, we, we were, I work at a church, right? It comes up pretty naturally. Um, uh, wow, you work at a church. Why would you do that, right? And, and um, uh, so we're talking about Jesus. We invite them to church oftentimes. But, but th- for five years, no kind of movement doesn't seem like happens in this area. We have some good friendships, but they're surface level friendships. Except for my, my son, Jack. My son, Jack, he's, uh, he's growing up and he has this amazing relationship with this young kid down the street. And, and Jack would go over there at any time and stay there for three, four hours as a three-year-old. I mean, he was just in love, enamored with this kid. And in 2021, we felt like God was calling us to move. So we moved away and we moved to this other street but there's no kids. There's no kids in the neighborhood. And so Jack's just sitting at home and where, you know, Angie and I are like, what are we doing? What, what did we just do? We just took him out. We knew that this was God. God was clearly calling us out, but what, what, what are we supposed to do for Jack? And so for the last two years, Angie and I have been, whenever we see Jack, you know, sitting, reading a book or something like that or, or, or kicking a ball against the wall, right? We, you know, we pray. It breaks our heart and we pray. Jesus, would you send kids to this street? Jesus, would you send kids to this street? Do you know what happened this month? A, a, a whole family, a, 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 a six-person family, four kids, and, and they're all like in this area of Jack's age, and they're Dominicans. They speak Spanish and English, and they live four houses down, and they're new to Syracuse. They don't have a friend in Syracuse. They're brand new, and, and we get to be their friends. They're looking for friends, and we're looking for friends. And they came. Uh, they come over like almost every day. They've invited Jack to baseball practice. Have you prayed for friends? Do you know that you have the ability to pray and ask Jesus for friends? Life-giving, meaningful friends. We need to pray for our friendships. Number two, second pro tip from Jesus. How do we deal with relationships in our lives? We treat them like family. You and I, we need to treat our friends like family. Most of my life, I've considered that my family is in one category and my friends are in another category, right? And, and there's a hierarchy in our lives, right? It, it goes like, we, there's country songs about this, right? There's God, and then there's family, right? And then, and then there's friends, right? Or maybe it's God, country, fa- God, fa- family, country. And in the country song, it goes something. I, I, haven't, I don't listen to much country. But it goes God, family, friends, right? But Jesus redefines friends for us. For Jesus, he redefines family. Jesus' friends became his family. Look at this passage we see in, in, in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 12. This is a little ways after he's just chosen these 12 disciples. He's in the middle of his ministry This is what it says. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak with you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? What an odd question to ask. 
What, what's Jesus trying to do here? Obviously, he knows who his mom is and who his brothers are, right? Obviously, or else Jesus is, has, you know, a memory loss issue, right? But he's pointing something out, and then he points to his disciples, and he says, here are my mother, and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus has caught on to something that you and I, we need to catch on to. This is a pro tip from Jesus. Look at, look at what Proverbs 18, 24 says. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend out there for you who sticks closer than a brother. There's a family out there that's deeper than blood for you. For Jesus, he acted like his disciples, those who had connected in relationship with him, who believed in his messiahship, in his, uh, his being the son of God. They believed that he was going to lead them into victory against sin and darkness and the enemies that they had out there. They, they believed that he was, gonna, uh, he was God's elect, that he was going to bring all things into completion. All things were going to become new through him. They didn't know how. They just they knew that he was the Messiah. They knew that he was the one. And Jesus sees and he says, whoever does the will of my father, whoever comes into relationship with me and starts doing the works that I am doing, you get to be my mother and you get to be my brother and you get to be my sister. I'm going to redefine the way that this hierarchy works. Actually, mom and brothers, you can stay outside. These are the ones I'm focusing on right now. Do you see how important this is? We ought to treat our friends like family. Jesus, he shares meals with his friends. He shares time with his friends. He becomes family with them. They share their heartbreak together and their celebration. They share their, their, their rejection from different communities together. They share the miracles together and they share, they share their food and time. Jesus redefines this thing for us. Over the last two years, my um, uh, small group at this church has, has, I feel like, become a little bit more like family. It started out a little bit like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what are we doing here? You know, it, it kind of, it was awkward sometimes, right? Sometimes people would say the wrong thing. But, you know, right now, two years after we've started this thing, it is going really strong. And, and, and we just took a break for the summer and people are like, hey, Chris, when is small groups starting up again? Like, I need to be back in this family. Like, I miss the family. We, we, we share um, uh, um, uh, sometimes a snack together. So we're sharing a little snack and eating together. We share our heartbreak from the week. This is something that was really hard. This is something that was really great. And then we talk about Jesus and sometimes we even pray for one another. 
There's this thing that happens in our small group where we focus on Jesus together. And that Jesus thing, even though we're all different and we live in different places and have different things that we're interested in, that becomes the most important thing, the common denominator between us. It's like we're, we're, we're blood now. We're like family. Treat them like family. Number three, what's the pro tip? And this one is even crazier than the rest. Lean on them when you need help. This is the most impressive thing that you, you can see in the person of Jesus. Jesus shows up to his friendships with deep vulnerability. He shows up to his friendships and his relationships with deep vulnerability. He's the son of God. In, in a minute, he could have a thousand angels come in and do whatever he'd like. And yet he shows deep vulnerability in his friendships. The night that he was to be betrayed and arrested, he's gonna be betrayed by one of his closest friends, one of the 12, Judas. He treated Judas like family. He, he knows that this is going to happen. He's pointed it out to Judas a couple times. Uh, he knows he's going to be arrested. And so he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane with, his, uh, uh, with the 11 disciples. Judas has already gone out to betray him. And, and he goes to the Garden and he picks three of his disciples. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, look at what he said. The son of God says this to his three disciples, his friends. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. I need you guys here to, to be with me. Stay here and keep watch. Be with me for a little bit. It's really hard for me to be all alone. I need your company. I need you guys to be here with me. This is the dark night of my soul. I need you guys. There are two things that will stop us. There are two things that will stop us from, from accomplishing great friendship, from having deep and meaningful relationship. The first is this fear of vulnerability. If we are afraid of, of having vulnerability with our friends, we will not have deep relationship. We will not have deep friendship if we cannot be vulnerable with our friends, if we can't tell them what's going on in our lives. If you can't be vulnerable, people aren't gonna trust you with their stuff, right? You see how it goes? What if they think poorly of me, we think? What, what if they really find out what's going on? What if they see how broken I am? What if they take advantage of me when I'm down? We have a fear of vulnerability. There's another one that will keep us from having the fullness of relationship, pride. Think I'm better than that. I don't need to tell them what's going on. There's a couple of friends that I have. They're deep friends in my life that I could tell anything that I've ever done to and I have told them anything that I've ever done and they still look at me with love. They still, you know, hug me at the end of the day. They still pray for me. They you still look at me with dignity and respect and honor, or, you know, whatever. We're, we're friends. And, and, and I've told them things, but you know what? Every time, if right before I'm about to make the phone call, 
right before I'm about to send a text message, I think, oh, I don't need to do this. It'll just pass. I'm going to get through this by myself. I can get through this by myself. What what are they going to think of me if I send this text message? What are they going to think of me if I make that phone call and ask for help? Every single time I have that stop, what is it for you in your relationships? What is it in you, for you and your friendships? Why, why do you think that the gospel writers included this little passage about Jesus taking these three friends, Peter and John and James, and taking them to the garden and saying, my soul is troubled. And he lets it out everything that's going on in his heart and his mind and his body. He's, he's utterly vulnerable with them. Why do you think that all three of the gospel writers include this? I think it's important for them. They wanted us to know that Jesus was vulnerable with his friends. He was vulnerable with his disciples, and we ought to as well. Jesus experienced the fullness of friendship. He had these deep relationships we see. The fullness of life he experienced. Well, what's another part of the fullness of friendship, right? The brokenness of friendship. Anybody who's been in a friendship for for so long has known that you're going to get your heart broken, right? You're going to be betrayed. You're going to be hurt. Somebody's going to tell you something and not show up. This is the story of friendship that that we've told, the story that we bear in our hearts, the scars that we have that that follow us from when we were kids, right? With our first friend that betrayed us, that ditched us, that, that lied to us. But Jesus, the pro tips don't stop. When when friendships fail, he still has things to show us. Look at him in the garden. He just let them know how vulnerable he feels. He just let them in. My soul is is so troubled. Stay with me. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. you you, You hear that and you think, wow, he's angry. But also in that, I think that he's heartbroken. Couldn't you have just been here for me for one hour? I just needed you to be here for one hour. Couldn't you have been there for me? What is his pro tips in the midst of broken relationship? Number one, pray for them. We go back to the beginning. What was was our first step of... Finding great friendships, it's pray for our friends. He goes back to the beginning with this. Pray for our friends. Uh, he's, he's in this conversation at the, at the Last Supper, right? He's in this conversation with Peter. And, and he says, Peter, you're going to betray me three times. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. He's asked permission to tempt you, to test you. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. I've prayed for you. I've been praying for you. 
We ought to pray for our friendships when they're the, the most broken. We ought to pray for them when there's betrayal coming. We ought to pray for them. We ought to pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. In 2020, one of my closest friendships, somebody I told, you know, all of this stuff to, right? Somebody who holds the keys, right? Uh, 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 I, I told them a lot. Of, you know, I trusted them. They're, you know, they're great friends with me. That person felt betrayed by me. And, and I felt betrayed by that person. So they were, we had this little thing and we couldn't communicate well during 2020. Does anybody remember, right? Uh, it was hard to communicate. It was hard to be with, with one another. And so misunderstanding swirled and it twisted and it went deeper and there were, it got complicated and other people got into it, right? It's triangulated now and there's, there's all these things going on, right? And, and so uh, what am I to do? And so we reach out several times and, and to no avail and we... Uh, you know, I meet with the person for coffee and wondering what's going on. And, you know, can we figure this out? And, and it's just, a, it's just a, a block wall. And I'm devastated. And I think, man, this is, it hurts, right? It hurts. Anybody been through this, right? It hurts. Like, you don't want to go through this. And whenever I'm reminded of that person for the last three years, I think, oh, you know, right? It's terrible. There's only one thing left that I can do, right? I can pray for them. I've tried to reconcile. I can pray for them. We pray for them. We pray for them. Pray for them. We pray for our friendship. And number two, a pro tip, when friendships fail for Jesus is he holds on to hope. He holds on to the hope. Look at the end of this sentence to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all of, all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Simon, I have this hope for you that even though our relationship's gonna be broken, Simon, there's a future out there for us. We can have a future together. When you turn back, I have this hope that one day we're going to be reunited, Simon. One day we're going to have relationship again. One day we're going to have friendship again. He knows that Peter is going to make probably the, the biggest mistake of his life in friendship. One of the biggest regrets of his life. This is going to be written in three of the gospel books, right? This one's going to be remembered. Peter knows, I mean, Jesus knows that Peter is going to make a big mistake, but he, he prays and he hopes. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He's got hope that Peter not only is going to return to the friendship, but he's going to return to all of the friendships and he's going to return to the family. Strengthen your brothers. We're going to be family in this to the end, Peter. Even when you break uh, up with me, even when you, when you hurt me, even when you stomp on our friendship, even when you claim that you don't even know me, Peter, we're family. These roots go deeper. These, this blood goes deeper than family. We're family. 
We know the story of Peter. He falls asleep in the garden. He runs off when Jesus is arrested. He follows from afar. He denies that he even knows Jesus in his time of need. It looks like their relationship is dead. But you know what Jesus does with, with dead things? He raises them to life, right? This is the gospel story. And it happens in our friendships. Our friendships need to tell the gospel story as well. We pray for them. We hold on to hope that even though they might be dead, even though they've come into trouble, there will be a day we believe as Christians when all things will be made new, when there will be no more tears, right? This is the story we tell in the Bible, and this is the story we live out in our relationships. Jesus is crucified. He's buried in a tomb. And Sunday morning, these women go to, to look for his body and care for his body and do the burial rituals, and he's not in the tomb. The stone's been rolled away, and there's an angel inside of the tomb. And the angel says in Mark chapter 6, 16, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go. Go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Why does this angel include this little bit, right? Tell his disciples and Peter. Why? Because Peter doesn't even think that he's in the family anymore. He thinks that he's gone, right? He thinks he's been excommunicated. He thinks that he's out of the friend group. He's out of the crew. Tell his disciples and Peter, there is future. There is hope. This is Relationships 101 from Jesus. The pro tips from Jesus. This is what we see throughout his relational life with people in his ministry. He goes full circle. He goes from prayer for his friends to prayer for his friends. And I think that that's our, our next step today. You know, I, I think that there's probably friends friendships, you know, there's definitely friendships represented in this room that have been stomped on the, the last couple of years, right? Anybody else? Nobody else, right? Sites? Haven't there been friendships that have just been broken? Some of us are without hope for those friendships. Some of us can't even imagine another day where those friendships could be reconciled. Those friendships could be reunited. Those friendships could be made new again. How could that happen? For Jesus, his first step is to pray for the friendship. When we pray for the friendship, something happens in our heart and our soul. God not only does things through our prayers outside, he changes us inside when we pray. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, some of us, we don't have meaningful friendships. We don't have meaningful relationships. We have family, but we don't have this thing called friends that goes deep, deep, deep in a meaningful way. That is the anchor of your life that, that allows you to be vulnerable. They're there for you 
through thick and thin. And I think we ought to pray for that. I think that we ought to pray for that. I think Jesus has friends for you and for me. Friends that go deep, deep, deep. Let's pray for that right now. Jesus, I pray for all of us. I pray that you would give us friendships. That you would give us deep, meaningful friendships. We desire to have them. We desire to hold on to them. We desire to develop them. Jesus, would you develop in us the people that, that, that would be good friends to one another. I pray for this community, the Vineyard Church, at all of our sites, that we would be known, not, not for all of the, the, you know, the nice stuff in our buildings, or not for anything that, that, that we do, but would we be known for our friendships with others? Would we be known just for having great friendships? I pray, Jesus, that you would develop friendship in this church, that you would develop it in the heart of us. I pray for those who are lonely. You say, Jesus, that you're going to set the lonely in families. I pray that you would set the lonely in families today. I pray that there would be friendships that go deep and that the history of this church would be different because of the friendships that start even today, Jesus. Set us lonely in families. Amen. Here's what I'd like you to do. I, I, that's a good start, a place to start. Prayer is a great place to start, right? But I, I, I think we gotta, I think we gotta put the first foot in. And I think that God may have a small group community for you. And so if you are not part of a small group at this church, if you're not a part of a small group, I'd love for you to try this. Pray and then try it. Join a small group this week. On the back of the connection card, there's this thing called Action Step. Mark that. So it says, I'm gonna be part of a small group this week. Mark that, and we'd love to get you connected with a small group, a family, a possible family this week. Thank you. God bless you. At the sites, God bless you. We'll see you next week.